Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Morning Sports Drive. Phil Jones with you. Got our buddy James Johnson on the line with us, who has been kind enough to stay with me during our top of the hour commercial break. James, thanks for calling in, brother. Absolutely. No problem at all, Phil. You know, anytime I could talk football, I am game. Yeah, I figured I didn't have to twist your arm a whole lot to (laughs) call in this morning, my friend. But uh, hey, let's talk about the NFL draft. And James, I was talking about it earlier in the 6 o'clock hour. This draft this year probably had more interesting storylines, subplots to it than any draft that at least that I can remember in recent memory. Did you see it the same way? Yeah, absolutely I did. Um, and leading up to it, you know, you could get the sense that, you know, some exciting things were going to happen. Um, most notably, I guess, the Mitch Trubisky situation with Chicago is probably the one that sticks out the most. And, uh, you know, you, you had a feeling that some team, we, we thought it'd probably be the Browns would trade up to get them, you know, somewhere in that area, which uh, in this case, it was the uh, Chicago Bears who only traded up one spot. But, I mean, kudos to John Lynch for uh, you know, getting all the picks that he got out of them just for that one move. And, um, you know, this is a guy that was a first-time GM, former player, as we all know, for the Tampa Bay Bucks. As Falcons fans, you know, we've seen him play a bunch. Uh, that, that, but uh, that was a good job on his part as a first-time GM, I must admit. Absolutely. Let's talk about uh, – and we'll talk about kind of the draft overall uh, and also, of course, talk about the the Jaguars – uh, and the Falcons. I know you were at the Jaguars draft party there at Everbank Field. Uh, by the way, how, is that thing well attended over there in, in Jacksonville? Yes, sir, it is indeed. Um, but over the course of the years, they uh, they used to have, you know, zip lines and rock climbing stations out. Uh, but now it's, it's more of a gathering where everybody just kind of stays put and sit in the uh, the seat, so to speak, and watch it from the big screen. So, um, yeah, it is a well-attended event, and you can really tell the people of Jacksonville love their Jaguars, including myself. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the one thing I've said before. Jags have got a great fan base. And I tell you, uh, speaking of the draft, it looked like the Jaguars' front office gave Jaguar fans a lot to be excited about, as expected, the Jaguars take uh, former LSU running back Leonard Fournette with the fourth overall pick. And then uh, after him, in the second round, took offensive lineman Cam Robinson. Boy, I like those two picks a lot. Absolutely. And um, last time I was on your show, you know, I I did say that, you know, I I didn't want to necessarily take a running back that high. 
But I mean, when you look at uh, Leonard Fournette's track record and you look at his film, I mean, he certainly is a talented young man and and somebody that has, you know, that game breaker potential. So, I mean, you can certainly understand why they would do so. And then you look at Tom uh, Coughlin's track record with running backs. You know, it makes all the sense in the world. So from that perspective, I can totally understand it. And then, you know, they got somebody to block for him, whether it be at, you know, at guard or tackle, wherever they decide to put Cam. But um, they, they did say they want to let him compete with Brandon Albert at tackle. So, you know, we'll get to see him uh, and, and Brandon Albert battle it out in OTAs and, and in training camp and what have you. But I think the winner of that probably or the loser, should I say, that will probably be kicked into guard. As uh, you know, I don't think the Jaguars can necessarily afford to sit one either one of those guys. And uh, Cam Robinson, very talented young man, and um, somebody I was very high on. I love that pick, uh, especially if they do put him at guard because I think he has Pro Bowl potential there. Absolutely, and uh, again, I would think one guy that's really got to be happy, in addition to head coach Doug Marone, director of football operations Tom Coughlin. And, of course, general manager Dave Caldwell has got to be quarterback Blake Bortles. I mean, he's got to be happy with the fact that suddenly, almost instantly, Jay, you've now got the pressure off of you with a strong running back in the running game. And then you've got a guy that uh, they can uh, watch your backside. I'm not sure exactly where Cam Robinson is going to be expected to play. Uh, but anyway, uh, along the, anywhere along the offensive line can't go wrong when you've got a Cam Robinson. Do you expect him to come in and make – an impact as a starter right away, talking about Robinson? Yes, I do. Um, and, and like I said, I'm, I really, me personally, I don't know if he can handle being a left tackle in this league. Uh, and, and, I mean, furthermore, they do start off against the Houston Texans, so you're going to throw this guy. If he does win the competition, they be throwing him into the fire against J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney right off the bat. So I don't know if that's the smartest thing to do is put a rookie uh, in that spot for that situation. Uh, that being said, you know, I, I prefer at least for 2017 to put Brandon uh, Robinson, not Brandon Robinson, but Brandon Albert there and putting Cam at guard where he can, you know, be in the interior and uh, further help uh, Fournette. And T.J. Yeldon and Chris Ivory, uh, he could better help them, I believe, from the interior. All right, of course, i got to ask you about the, the fourth-round selection, uh, one of the more controversial picks in the draft. And, of course, I'm talking about D.D. Westbrook, uh, the 2016 uh, Bolitnikoff winner uh, out of Oklahoma. There's no question this guy is a playmaker, there's no question that he can come in and help the Jaguars out right away. But, and there's a big but here, uh, a lot of teams were scared away by some of his off-the-field problems. Jay, what's your take on the Jaguars possibly taking a chance on D.D. Westbrook? Right, right. And me and my my friends and um, my fellow writers, we uh, chimed in on this on uh, our podcast on uh, the Jags Wire. And uh, basically, I think what this is, is a situation if you're the Jaguars at after the third round, you're not really picking up starters at that point, unless it's a deep draft, which this was, especially defensively. So they got in the fourth round and, you know, they saw this young man in D.D. Westbrook who probably had a high grade on him, like a, a starting caliber grade on him. And not only that, somebody that could really help you from a special teams aspect. So, you know, with the considering his past, 
uh, you know, you're just putting a fourth round pick into it. So they, they felt like, what is it to lose? You know, the reward might be way better or greater than the risk for them. So, you know, he's coming into a locker room to it. This is one of the key elements of this. He's coming into a locker room with leadership. And that's something that Tom Coughlin has been high on. He's going to stress that the Doug Marone, he's going to be high on it. And they're going to stress having the right locker room. Not saying that Gus Bradley didn't have the rock, the right locker room, but I think they'll stress leadership and, and guidance better in this locker in the locker room with this regime. So, you know, he's going to come into a, a locker room with guys like Telvin Smith, who you all are aware of, being from Valdosta and Calais Campbell, you know, Barry Church, you know, high character guys that will make sure that he keeps his stuff. And I'm talking about Westbrook here right on the field. And, you know, they, they can help him, you know, turn things around off the field as well. Another name worth noting, Keenan McCardell, the wide receivers coach. Uh, that's somebody that Dave Caldwell pointed out that can help D.D. Westbrook in terms of guidance. So I think they feel that they have the nucleus to help this young man be good on and off the field. We're talking with James Johnson, who covers uh, the Jaguars for the Jaguars uh, on uh, USA Today Sports Wire. You can check out uh, Jay's stuff there. Uh, I do want to mention real quick before we continue talking with James, story breaking out of Athens, yet another Georgia Bulldog arrested on drug charges. Tailback Elijah Holyfield was arrested this morning around 3 a.m. on misdemeanor drug charges. We'll tell you more about that as we go forward and once more details come in. But, uh, again, another uh, Georgia football player arrested on drug charges. This time it's Georgia tailback Elijah Holyfield arrested on misdemeanor drug charges early this morning or late Sunday night, depending on your perspective. So, uh, anyway, we'll talk more about that as we go forward. Um, So, all in all, James, uh, how would you rate the the Jaguars draft? And talk about any of the other draft picks and maybe some surprises uh, that you thought the Jaguars took. Yeah, overall, I gave them a um, I gave them a C in my podcast, and I mean that that's only because oh, I didn't <laughs> see that one coming, James. No, yeah, a lot of people didn't, but uh, you know that was because of what I said with Fournette. I think they could have got better value. Not saying that Fournette is not a good player again, but they could have got better value out of the fourth pick or maybe even trade it back. But, I mean, who's to say they, they could trade back? Maybe they couldn't. So I can't really blame them for that. Uh, but that being said, I, I mean, I look at situations like in the second round where Dalvin Cook was still on the board when they, you know, when they were on the clock. Or or Alvin Kamara went one pick before them in the third round. You know, they could have traded up to to get him for little or nothing so you know i look at other guys and other running backs that were i would say probably better scheme fits for their zone blocking scheme as well and those two that they could have gotten later but nonetheless you know they saw their guy in fortnite and that's that's what they you know they went and pursued him uh so i mean and in terms of the other picks you have blair brown who's a downhill uh thumper he's a guy that he'll back up telvin smith or be one of his backups I'm going to predominantly serve as a a special teams player. Uh, Jalen Myrick, one of the fastest people that uh, went to the combine, he ran a 4-2-8, which was only 
I think it was only topped by uh, the kid from Washington who ran the fastest 40 ever recorded on TV, at least. So this is a fast young man as well that they had a high grade on. Uh, some people even had like fourth or fifth round grades on them. They got him in the seventh and he's going to help them on special teams as well. And then Marquez Williams, uh, the fullback, as we uh, talked about in your show, they're going to be using a fullback in their system now. He can come in, compete at that fullback position as well um he he offers special teams value so when you look at those last couple of picks and even including dd westbrook uh those are guys that could help them on special teams and that's something that tom coughlin has stressed that he hasn't been happy with when he looked at film on them last year yeah that uh, that marcus williams pick by the way that's got tom coughlin written all over it, it? <laughs> yes it does <laughs> <laughs> All right, now what about uh, let's get your take on Smoot, uh, the um, uh, the pick in the third round coming out of uh, uh, Illinois. Uh, how the uh, Jaguars going to use him? Do you think he'll uh, provide immediate help for the Jags along the defensive line? Yeah, Smoot is somebody I had. Um, I actually posted about him uh, prior to the draft process. Um, he was a guy that I saw as like a fourth round talent that they could target. So. I'm not surprised that they got him actually, um, but I just I thought he was more of a four, fourth round pick as opposed to a third round pick. But for their system, I can totally understand why they picked him up in the third round. Um, he's a guy that to me he was a little similar to Yannick and Gakwe. That's why the pick made so much sense, at least from the little bit of film that I did see. But I did go back and actually watch uh, Dave Caldwell's presser after they drafted Smoot. And they actually plan to use him at the other defensive end role uh, behind Calais Campbell, which, I mean, that makes sense because they're kind of thin behind him at that five technique or big end or uh, four technique, whatever you want to refer to it to it as. Uh, that's where he'll be. And he said he's um, ready to come in and learn from Calais Campbell. I mean, and this is a guy that, you know, we've talked about his age. He's, you know, 30 upwards of it. And. He's a guy that, uh, simply put, you know, he's a guy that you think probably has a timeline on, you know, how long he'll be effective, maybe one to two more years. And, you know, they need to have a successor for him. And DeJuan Smoot could be that guy. We're talking with James Johnson this morning. James uh, talks Jacksonville Jaguars with us, and uh, that's exactly what we're doing this morning. Uh, you know, you look at the Jags draft now, back-to-back -back years, uh, I know that you give them a C plus this year. Uh, a lot of people uh, I'm noticing are giving them anywhere uh, from uh, an A minus to a B minus. Some have given them a USA Today gives them a B plus. Um, with the drafts overall now, the last two years, plus given the fact that we've made uh, some pretty good free agency pickups as well now for two years in a row, mm -hmm. where do you mm -hmm. see this Jaguars team going this year under Doug Marone? I haven't quite put a record on them yet, and I try to refrain from records until the preseason games and after I actually see them on the field in some practices. But, um, you know, I will say this. I do think they will improve. Uh, as to what that will be, I don't know. But I, I will say that the three wins that Gus Bradley got was unacceptable. And I think I tend to think that Doug Marone will be more along the lines of a 500 team or, I mean, potentially even better. Like I say, we'll we'll get into that later as I see more from them on the practice field and in the preseason. But I will say this. I do think they do improve. I guess it's just a matter of how much they will improve. 
All right, of course, the other team, let's talk about uh, the other team in our listening area, and that, of course, is the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, for the most part, Falcons uh, draft graded out to be uh, be pretty good. Um, talk about their first-round uh, pick, defensive end, Takaris McKinley out of UCLA. Right, and I think, you know, I, I haven't seen a lot of film on um, Takaris, but I've seen a little bit. And I think what this boils down to is, you know, if you're Dan Quinn, you know, you you got to get to the quarterback aside from Vic Beasley. And I, I think, you know, when I watch the Falcons, because I typically watch them right after watching the Jaguars. And, I mean, one of the things that stands out is aside from him, they often struggle to get to the quarterback. And they need somebody aside from Vic Beasley to uh, alleviate the pressure off of him because, you know, at times teams key in on him. I mean, Dwight Freeney did a good job in spot duties at times, uh, but, you know, they need a younger option. And I think, you know, whatever role they see that they want to use to kerosene, uh, you know, he can help them in terms of a pass rushing aspect. And that's that's how you beat the Tom Brady's of the world. That's how you beat the Aaron Rodgers of the world is, you know, you got to have pass rushers in waves. And nowadays you have to have more than one. So uh, we'll see what, what exactly they were do they put him. And uh, it'll be an interesting situation with him. I, I do like that pick, however. Absolutely, and um, I know that uh, there were uh, some people saying that, that, that they thought that McKinley was a little bit of reach for the Falcons, especially them trading with Seattle, uh, James, mm-hmm. to move up uh, for the number two, or, or rather for the number one pick. Well, this is the thing. You you know, you can't put a value on getting a franchise pass rusher, and for them to trade up or, or you know, give up what they gave up for, you know, to, to come up and switch with the Seattle Seahawks, you know, they probably see him as a franchise caliber pass rusher. And as I said, you can't really put a value on that because those guys are priceless, in my opinion. It's not a lot of them. And when you get them, you have to hang on to them. They got one in Vic Beasley. They need another one. And, uh, you know, that you look at that, that Patriots game, for example. And one thing that I've always talked about and harped on was, you know, the, the Falcons defense probably ran out of gas in that game. You know, they saw the field a lot, especially in that those last two quarters. You know, they do need to build a, a wave of pass rushers to better suit themselves for those type of games and to grind those type of games out. So, I mean, when you look at that game alone, you can understand why they did what they did. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's talk about the, the draft overall. Winners and losers. Um, a couple of teams that you thought really you would uh, rate probably the best draft uh, uh, from uh, the weekend. Uh, I, I thought Cleveland had a top-notch draft. That's not something we say uh, and associate <laughs> with the Cleveland Browns uh, when we talk about superlatives a whole lot. But I thought they really nailed it uh, with uh, uh, with going with uh, Garrett, uh, Miles Garrett, and and also Jabril Peppers. Yeah, I, I did like their draft and you know how they maneuvered in it and and what they got out of it. But I'm going to say, unfortunately, and, and this is because I have to watch that situation, is the Houston Texans. And and what they did and and getting uh, Deshaun Watson, who I, I don't know that necessarily Bill O'Brien is the quarterback whisperer that people think he is. But if he does get this right, they are a Super Bowl caliber team. And you look at what they already have on offense to go with him. You know that, that you can argue that he was the missing piece. Um, I thought it would probably be more 
along the lines of Patrick Mahomes. But uh, the Chiefs ended up getting him. But um, yeah, you look at what the uh, what the Texans added overall, and they they certainly on paper at least it has to transfer to the field. Of course, they certainly got better. Unfortunately for us uh, Jaguars fans as a team. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, um, let's see here. The Buffalo Bills uh, kind of shocked there. Uh, the Bills after they get through with the draft, and they had a pretty good one, uh, according to most pundits. I'm seeing the Bills rating an A minus, an A, uh, in a couple of the grades I'm looking at for the Bills. Well, as soon as the draft is over, uh, they decide to part ways with everybody. And I'm talking about from Doug Whaley to the team chaplain to the equipment manager to everybody. They cleaned house in Buffalo. Yeah, absolutely. The um the Bills are, you know, one of those teams that, you know, like you were saying about the Browns, you typically don't really talk about them having good drafts. But I mean you look at it, I'm looking at it right now, as a matter of fact. Deion Dawkins, uh the guard, he can also play tackle. A great second round pick for them. Um so, you know, that's somebody that can help their run game regardless of where you put him. Uh then you got Nathan Peterman who we talked on, that was a guy that the Jaguars, you know, brought in for a visit from Jacksonville, went into Bartram Trails High. So if um, the young man, uh, his name is escaping me, their quarterback is not the guy, you know, they did get a backup. Uh, so, and I really do like Nathan Peterman and, and what he did in Pittsburgh. He learned some pro-style concepts. So uh, he's a guy that is NFL-ready, one of those rare quarterbacks that we talked about that's NFL-ready. And then they also got Zay Jones in the second round, who he went to the Senior Bowl and just showcased all kinds of athleticism as a wide receiver and showed that he can do it all when people thought he was more of a one-dimensional guy. So that's a very good pickup on their end as well. And overall, yeah, this is a very very good draft class on the Bills' behalf. What do you think about the Bears uh, getting Mitch Trubisky and giving up a lot to do so? Oh, man. I, I feel like, like I said earlier, John <laughs> John Lynch, kudos for him for getting what they got out of the Bears for, for Trubisky. But, I mean, like you, it's like I was saying about the pass, uh, the pass rushers. If you see a franchise quarterback – you know, you can't really put a value on it. And if you want that guy, you have to go and get that guy. In their case, they see Trubisky as a franchise passer. And that's what they went ahead and did and, you know, gave up what they gave up for him. And, you know, not not only him, but you look at their draft entirely. Adam Shaheen can, can help him off right off the bat. When you look at it, that's the tight end from Ashland. One of the small school guys that people, I feel, slept on. So, you know, they got him some help there. And, and it appears that, you know, they're going to probably they are not going to come out and say this, but they'll probably throw him in the uh, furnace early and he'll be their starter from here on out. But my thing with him is he, he really only had one year of starting experience at North Carolina, and that doesn't sit well with me, and I don't know if I would have gave up that for him. A couple of controversial picks, actually a couple, uh, more than a couple. Uh, we talked about D.D. Westbrook, uh, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma that the Jaguars took a chance on. Uh, a couple of other big, well, I won't say surprises, but still certainly uh, very controversial uh, talk about the Bengals selecting Joe Mixon. Um, boy, there's a lot of people really pointing toward the Bengals not liking this pick. Even a lot of the local Bengals fans don't like this. What's your take on the Bengals going with Joe Mixon? 
if you're a Bengals fan, I mean, me personally, I, I will ask, why are you surprised? I'm not saying that they target the wrong people, but they right. give players second chances. They are a I team. I said the same thing early on, James. Right, right. They are a team that has traditionally given people second chances. And a lot of those second chances have, you know, turned out for the better. You know, if you want to get get into the details with it. So, I mean, that if it was any team. What's that? I said, yeah, you get a C Pac-Man Jones. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if there was, you know, any team that would take a chance on the on, on Joe Mixon, I figured it would be the Bengals before the draft. I mean, and, and I feel like their fans should have expected that, especially, you know, considering he fell in the second round and his talent. So, you know, Marvin Lewis is a guy that can help this young man uh, on and off the field. As I was saying, with our situation, you know, they have the locker room and they have the staff. And I think, you know, Marvin Lewis, you know, could be on to something with Joe Mixon. And we could we could see him, um, at least on the field, he can kill the league by storm, especially considering, you know, how they emphasize their offensive line and what they'll probably put in front of him. Absolutely. I think I read somewhere where you could uh you could put together a conga line of characters and second chancers and probationers that the Bengals have taken a chance on, starting all the way back in nineteen sixty eight. How about this for a little bit of history for you, James? When Mike Brown actually picked up Jeff Phillips from the front prison gate and drove him straight to training camp after Phillips had been arrested and served time for check forgery. Now, that was back in the late 60s, but nevertheless, that was kind of the start, if you will, of several uh, very controversial picks for the Cincinnati Bengals. Wow. See, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know their history, you know, with, with what, you I know. trivia for you, James. <laughs> right. Hey, I can always use some schooling on the game of football. <laughs> but, yeah, that I mean, that just goes to show you, like, how long that they've been doing that and what they believe in. And obviously it's something that is a part of their culture in Cincinnati is giving players a second chance. And it's nothing wrong with that by any means. All right, let me ask you about the quarterbacks and uh, give me a thumbs up, thumbs down. Who's going to make it? Who's not? Uh, let's start with uh, Mitch Trubisky, who really, uh, the thing I didn't understand with this, he's not even going to uh, come in and be the immediate starter. Uh, and we talked about it on Friday, I believe. Mike Glennon, who the the, the Bears signed as a free agent, a uh, very high-priced free agent uh, from Tampa Bay, will be the starter in fact, you had the Bears' general manager, Ryan Pace, pretty much came out after the draft, or after the pick, rather, and said, folks, we got Trubisky, we like him, but make no doubt about it, Mike Glennon is going to be our starter. So, I, I don't know, you give up so much to get a guy and not are able to reap the benefits from him right away. I don't know, but what's your take on uh, the Bears getting Trubisky for the future? Right, right. And, yeah, they did, like you said, me and you said this countless times, that they did give up a lot. But, I mean, I guess what, you know, in their defense, what I said is he he doesn't really have a lot of starter experience on the collegiate level. And they they know that, and they feel that he isn't ready. But with Glennon's situation, luckily, luckily enough for them, I forget the exact figures, but his uh, contract is front-loaded. And as uh, the great Pete Prisco always says, it's loaded with funny money, so to speak. So they can get out of that situation kind of relatively quick, uh, you know, within a year or two. So it's it's not like Trubisky would have 
that long before he sees the field, maybe next year. Uh, but once again, like you said, they did give up a lot to to have him sit on the bench this year, which, you know, that that's kind of weird. But again, Glennon's contract is full of funny money. And, uh, you know, he, he probably, I guess, yeah, I'll give him a year as the starter uh, personally. All right. Uh, so let's stay with quarterbacks. Um, Deshaun Watson, Cleveland. I'm sorry, not Cleveland. Deshaun Watson, Houston Texans. You know what? I just Bill O'Brien and this was I was very high on Bill O'Brien in the coaching process when we got Gus Bradley. But now that I've seen his his track record and I got a good friend that's in the coaching community that respects him a lot. But me personally, I just haven't seen what he can do with a quarterback not named Tom Brady, you know, at least on the on the NFL level. So that concerns me. But they always will have that defense to rely on. Uh, but in terms of Deshaun Watson, you know, I don't know, Phil. I guess if I had to say, you know, he is protected with a good line and a good run game. So, yes, he can be successful. But uh, I will say that that track record from their coach does scare me. Well, I, and I guess and you're right about that. I guess one uh, one question that I've got is, uh, you know, they were a playoff team just barely. And I, and I got to and I got to qualify that with again uh, a playoff team just barely because they really had no chance once they got into the playoffs. However, give them the credit; they were nine and seven a playoff team. The reason I point that out: they were a playoff team nine and seven without Deshaun Watson. Now, how much better do you think that makes them? Right, right. You know, I I do think that makes them a, a lot better, especially from a di- division standpoint. Because, yeah. I mean, you look at it, Jacksonville still lost to them when they started Tom Savage. So, you know, if Tom Savage could get the job done, he's, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson certainly can in terms of a division perspective. And, you know, they, they have had great success against the Colts. And um, uh, who is the other team is escaping my mind, the Colts, Texans, and um, Titans. Right. Yes. Yeah, the Titans. Yeah. They've had great success against the Colts and Titans uh, in, in the past. So, you know, Watson should be able to get them over the hump. Um, as you know, those those interceptions do concern me with him. Um, but a lot of them might have been tip drills. And and I feel that Bill O'Brien feels that he can fix this young man in terms of the interceptions and they can make do. So, yeah, I think he'll be fine, especially from a division perspective. And he does make them a better team. You know, and one thing I, I talked about Cleveland. Now they didn't bite on either Trubisky or Deshaun Watson, but they did go with Deshaun Kaiser, the former Notre Dame quarterback. Again, I, I think Cleveland got a lot better real quick. Uh, but again, talk about Kaiser and his ability to come in and uh, make a an impact right away at the quarterback position. Yeah, you know what? I like Cleveland's logic not to you know, overpay in terms of picks on one of these quarterbacks because it's been said that the next year's quarterbacks class is a little stronger. And, I mean, you you can't really lean on that, so to speak. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, you know, typically the Cleveland of the past would have gave up three first-round picks or something ridiculous to come up and take Deshaun Watson or something. So I think they're learning from their mistakes, you know, and I think they're leaning towards – 
Hughes Jackson's take on these quarterbacks, who is a very smart offensive mind. And, you know, they're 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 asking him, you know, do you see this guy as a franchise quarterback? Um, you know, should we draft this guy? And they're as in the as opposed in the past, they really like relied on ownership in the front office. Uh, they do have an offensive guru there now and their coach, Hugh Jackson, to rely on. And, uh, you know, Kaiser failed to them, if I'm not mistaken. They didn't uh, trade up or nothing to get him. You know, that's those are the type of picks, if you're the Cleveland Browns, that you should be making. If a quarterback falls to you, one of the top graded quarterbacks in the class, you know, why not take them and add them into the mix? Because, you know, they already got some veterans there that he can learn from. And, you know, he for for all we know, he could turn out to be a very good pick. So he, he does have the locker room and the coaching staff to uh, support him. Um, of course, another uh, pick that uh, Cleveland made is one that a lot of people are uh, wondering about. Of course, I'm talking about Caleb Brantley. Yeah, Caleb Brantley, that's a questionable one there. And I I read right. earlier, oh, man, that somebody, I can't remember who it was or what the source was, but it was a Florida, um, a Florida coach that told scouts that he wouldn't even recommend that the teams pick up Caleb Brantley in undrafted <laughs> free agency. And that is, yeah, that's one sad situation. So I'm just glad the Jaguars didn't take him out there hearing that and reading that. Yeah, and that's what I said at the beginning. You know, this was a very unconventional, uh, unusual uh, NFL draft. It certainly wasn't short of drama and storylines, that's for sure. But still, uh, some teams, uh, you can bet your bottom dollar, James, they're really going to be holding their breath on some of these picks to see indeed if they made the right choice or not. A team that is really being lauded as having the worst draft of all, the Los Angeles Rams. Les Snead, uh, of course, of the formerly of the Atlanta Falcons, and Sean McVay, the new head coach, are being given big thumbs down this morning based on almost every NFL draft card that I've seen. Don't know if you followed the Rams and their picks or not, they get tight end Gerald Everett from the Sunbelt Conference, wide receiver Cooper Cup, again, another player at the football championship subdivision level. So these are guys that excelled, but not necessarily with top caliber teams. But your take on the, the Rams being rated as about having the worst draft of any NFL team in this year's draft. Yeah, just I'm I'm I just pulled it up and just in looking at their draft. Yeah, it really wasn't a eventful draft, to say the least. And, you know, this is a, a team that, you know, there's questions at quarterback still with golf, and they, they do need to get him some help. So, it's, I mean, it, just looking at the draft on paper with Josh Reynolds and Cup and Everett, it looks like they tried to get him some help, but it's just the help that they got that people aren't high on. So uh, we'll have to see how that unfolds. But um, the Rams – are in a team that I had high expectations for. Um, I know they do have the good defense. They have Aaron Donald, who's one of the best three techniques in the league. Uh, but in terms of an offensive uh, perspective, you know, I just don't know if they have the horses in place to get the job done. And, and furthermore, you know, this is a team that picked up Greg Olson, formerly of the Jaguars, as their quarterback coach. And that was a concern for me, too, in terms of uh, Jared Goff's development. So, you know, I, I would have preferred they, they got, you know, somebody else that could help him further develop himself because I, I've never been high on Olsen as an offensive coordinator or as a quarterback uh, coach personally. 
not surprising. The Green Bay Packers, everybody knew uh, that their uh, their secondary, defensive secondary, had become like Swiss cheese with a lot of holes in it. So not surprisingly, Ted Thompson goes out, spends both second-round picks uh, on defensive backs. Kevin King, he's, of course, the lanky corner. And then they get a hard-hitting uh, safety in Josh Jones. So I think the Packers uh, certainly drafted for need, got themselves better uh, almost overnight. Absolutely. And then in the third round, they got somebody we're familiar with in the SEC and Montravius Adams, uh, the defensive tackle from Auburn. So they got better in the trenches as well. And as you said, yeah, they needed secondary help. Uh, Kevin King from Washington, uh, 6'3", 200 pounds, a nice size weight specimen. Uh, Josh Jones, 6'1", 220, another nice size weight specimen. And, I mean, those guys fit the mold of what the Packers believe in in terms of big defensive backs and being physical on defense. And uh, just looking at this draft and this in, in its entirety for them, it looks like they targeted getting more physical. Uh, you know, Devontae Mays, the running back from uh, Utah State, 235 11 uh so they it looks like they took the jaguars like approach in terms of getting more physical and getting bigger on the defensive end and on the offensive end how about the pittsburgh steelers going with tj watt uh with their first round pick you know what that is the ideal place for him as a um you know a three four type body and the Steelers they you know they they have that culture in terms of a defense that can you know help him flourish and he'll be in a defense with some stars he's got Ryan Shazier around him um, Cam Hayward and um you know he, he should be fine there in terms of uh, what's around him Tyson Alualu as well who is a former Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, a former Jacksonville Jaguar. So that being said, you look at what's around him, especially on that defensive line. He does have the veteran presence to help him get better. James Harrison as well, if I'm not mistaken. And um, he should be fine there. He should fit right in, in my opinion. And, boy, everybody's going to be watching on Christmas Day uh, the Texans with J.J. Watt taking on Pittsburgh with brother T.J. Watt. That'll certainly be a Christmas Day gift for NFL fans everywhere, won't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Just imagine being <laughs> one of their, you know, their family members, the mom and the father, <laughs> having to watch that go down. I mean, I mean, just what a blessing. I mean, and how how blessed they are in terms of a family, in terms of athleticism, and even J.J. Watt. You know, he was a guy that didn't get a scholarship if I'm not mistaken to Wisconsin. He was serving pizzas at first and this is a guy that walked on at Wisconsin if uh my my mind serves me correctly and and what of a what a player he's been since that. Absolutely. James, listen buddy, good stuff this morning regarding the uh 2017 NFL draft. Uh you know, I'm kind of sad, James. You look forward <laughs> to the draft. We talk about it. Uh, you know, I devoted a lot of time to it. And now it's over. You know, it's kind of like a good meal that you look forward to, James. Uh, you anticipate it. You enjoy it. But then after it's done, it's like, well, what's next? And I guess what's next is we'll have to wait and see which of these draft picks uh, turn out to be bona fide selections and contributors to their NFL team. Absolutely. It is kind of sad to come to see the draft come and go. 
Um, as like you said, you put so much time and effort in it. And uh, this year, especially for me, at being an editor this year, it took a lot of time and effort to prepare for it and post on it. So it's a little bit of a relief at the same time for me from that perspective. So uh, I like I'm you sure said, it is. Yeah. So it's like you said, you know, it's now a matter of watching how these young men perform on the field. Uh, you know, training camp is coming up. That's going to be a, a very uh important event for these young men and then the preseason so i'll be excited to watch them on tv not just what the jaguars and the falcons acquire but just league-wide in general what these draft picks do as it was said that's that this was a deep draft a good defensive draft and uh yeah i'm very curious to see how this one pans out when you compare it to other drafts Absolutely. James, uh, as we leave uh, leave you this morning, uh, tell our listeners how they can follow up with you uh, online with uh, your site. And, uh, of course, I'm sure you'll be given a recap on the entire NFL draft. Where can they find that, uh, that information uh, about you? Yes, it's uh, jaguarswire.usatoday.com is the official site. You all can follow us on Twitter as well, at the Wire. And you can follow me personally on Twitter under at SportsGrind underscore Don. We're still going to be having more draft content going up uh, on the prospects that the Jaguars landed and the um, undrafted free agents that they added. And we're going to be talking some training camp OTAs, camp battles, and uh, and plenty more. So uh, be expecting that in the next coming uh, days. And um, feel free to check us out.